Hi, I'm Jay, host of the new podcast, Verboten. I'm Brittany, one half of the team behind Frenemy Trivia. And I'm Jeremy, the newest member of the Pub Trivia Experience podcast. And we're coming together today to tell you that this show is sponsored by Critical Grind Board Game Cafe. Critical Grind holds a special place in all three of our hearts. It's a wonderful place to get together with old friends or make some new ones. Whether you're after one of their mini fantastic coffee drinks or one of their signature toasts, Critical Grind's got you covered. With an enormous library of tabletop games available, it's a fantastic place to unwind and celebrate your inner nerd. Critical Grind is a recognized gaming safe space, which means you can truly be yourself there. Critical Grind was recently voted Best in Family Recreation for 2023 in its area. And with their new expansion, there's even more fun to come in the future. So check them out near the intersection of Black Road and Route 59 in Shorewood, Illinois. Or if you're not local, find out more about them anyway at linktree.com slash criticalgrind. Either way, tell Dana and Sean we say hi. Critical Grind Board Game Cafe. Life is short. Play more games. Proud supporters of the PTE Network. And vice versa. Lauren, on an old-fashioned rotary phone, what number requires the longest turn of the dial? Zero. Zero is a correct answer. Jay, in the folk song, she'll be coming round the mountain. What will she be driving? Six white horses. Six white horses is a correct answer. Jeremy, popular in homes in the state for which it is named. An Arizona room is a type of what? Uh, screened in porch. Screened in patio is a correct answer. Alan, in 2010, what political duo made headlines by divorcing after 40 years of marriage? Uh, 2010... I don't have it. It's going to be Al and Tipper Gore. Uh, Lauren, what U.S. state is home to England's historic London Bridge, which was dismantled and moved in 1968? Uh, Missouri? No, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. The answer is Arizona. Jay, which U.S. state is home to the dazed and confused students at Lehigh School in the memorable 1993 coming-of-age movie? I don't know, but I'm going to throw a guess at Michigan. I'm sorry. The answer is Texas. Jeremy, the largest of the of all parrots, the hyacinth macaws plumage is what distinctive color? Uh, blue. Deep blue is a correct answer. Alan, what does the acronym TLDR stand for? Too long didn't read. Too long didn't read is the correct answer. Lauren, a politician who suddenly changes his public position on an issue is commonly said to have what? Flip-flopped. Flip-flopped is a correct answer. Jay, how many red stripes are there on the American flag? Seven. Seven is a correct answer. Jeremy, in the film Superbad, McLovin produces a fake driver's license from which state in an attempt to buy booze? Hawaii. Hawaii is a correct answer. Alan, the award-winning British TV drama Downtown Ab- or Downton Abbey begins in the ni- year 1912 with news of what historic event? The sinking of the Titanic. Sinking of the, ti- of the Titanic is a correct answer. Lauren, known as the High Priestess of Soul, what singer is the subject of the 1992 autobiography, I Put a Spell on You? Oh, crap. Um, Nina Simone? Nina Simone is a correct answer. Jay, who was the satirical newspaper The Onion referring to in its 2008 headline, Black Man Given Nation's Worst Job? Barack Obama. Barack Obama is a correct answer. (laughs) Jeremy, which computer company was co-founded by Steve Wozniak in 1976? Uh, Apple. 
Apple is a correct answer. Alan, which U.S. state has the longest cave system in the world? Kentucky. Kentucky is a correct answer. And now we hit our Revenge of the Frenemies round. We've asked those you've defeated in the semifinals to provide you a mat- uh, question for today. Uh, you will have a little bit more time to think this. You will have a little bit more time to work these out, and they will be worth 200 points. And thank you to all our Revenge writers. Lauren, your question comes courtesy of Michael Turner. What WWE Hall of Famer is the only person to win the Royal Rumble three times? Um, I crap. I you know what? I don't think I actually know this. Um, WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, it's not Hulk Hogan. I'm just gonna say Hulk Hogan. I'm sorry. The answer is Stone Cold Steve of Austin. Of course it is. Damn it! I love him. <laughs> Jay, your question comes courtesy of Carmela Smith. What game series published by Blizzard, whose most recent installment was released in 2023, is set in the world of Sanctuary, with a notable town of Tristram, where the town elder may implore you to stay a while and listen? Yes, that would be the game about the demon lord Diablo. Diablo is a correct answer. Jeremy, your question comes courtesy of Aaron Barclay. Although its actual purpose was probably to cure pain, headaches, indigestion, and other similar ailments in men, what device's history includes whimsical speculation that it was invented and deployed to cure hysteria in women? Um, oh my god. No, I do know this. Uh, that's a vibrator. That is a vibrator. And Alan, your question comes co- courtesy of Scott Brill. Who is the only U.S. president to graduate from the United States Naval Academy? from the Naval Academy. Kennedy. I'm sorry, the answer is Jimmy Carter. And at the end of the hot seat, Lauren, you have 300. Jay, you have 500. Jeremy, you have 600. And Alan, you have 300. Welcome to Frenemy Trivia. First was the hot seat round. Each player received five questions worth 100 points each. Next, teams will be randomized with their hot seat scores combined and 1,000 points added to each team. Teams will receive up to four sets of three questions. Each team will answer the same questions and wager 100, 200, or 300 points on their confidence. They will gain or lose their wager based on whether they get it right or not. They will also bet those same values on how difficult they think it will be for their opponents. If their opponent gets it correct, they lose their wager. But if their opponent gets it wrong, they will win their bet. After four sets of questions or when a team runs out of points, the first round will end with the team with fewer points being eliminated. At this point, the friends become the enemies. The remaining team will divide whatever points they have left and play again against each other with the same rules. In this round, locking in an answer will trigger a 30-second timer for the other player to register their answer. After four sets of questions, or when a player runs out of points, we will crown this week's Frenemy Champion. Now, let's start the show. Welcome to Frenemy Trivia, where friends quickly become enemies. I'm your host, Tim, and joining me is my co-host and best frenemy, the Katy Perry to my Taylor Swift, Brittany. Brittany, how you doing? What you drinking? 
I was doing okay until you called me Katy Perry. Oh my gosh, why do you hate me? Oh man, okay. Um, I'm maybe doing... we want to hear you roar. I don't like Katy Perry. Like maybe that's a hot take. I just don't like her. You could have picked anyone else in the entire music kingdom, and I would have been fine. And yet, maybe um... you're a firework. Oh, gosh, I don't want to be. Um, <laughs> okay. So I'm doing okay. I'm very excited for this finale episode. Um, I am drinking heavily now. Um, so uh, <laughs> I was thinking about doing this one sober, but you know, you never know. Uh, however, what I've decided to do is grab the strongest beer out of my beer fridge. And I'm just going to go with that one. And that one happens to be from Pipeworks Brewing in Chicago, Illinois. The Donut Shop beer, which is an imperial stout with coconut, coffee, cacao nibs, vanilla, and lactose. And it's also like, I think, yeah, 10% ABV. I was going to say, that sounds like 11, but it's okay. (laughs) Very nice. And that's the last coherent sound they got from Brittany. Probably. (laughs) Uh, Which is more than they usually get. So I like the art. It kind of reminds me of The Simpsons. A little bit. I don't know why. It just does. But it's very good. I've had it before and I like it. Well, that's good to hear. I am excited for this episode because this is the Tournament of Frenemies final. Uh, after this episode, we will crown our best frenemy for the season. And joining us to compete for that title, first off in Jacksonville, Florida, Lauren Robinson. Lauren, how you doing? What you drinking? And who would you consider your friend of me today? Oh my goodness. I'm doing okay. Um I uh I, I am customarily drinking um red wine from a box. Uh Love it. you know, it's a cabernet from uh, yeah. No, 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 this isn't even a cabernet. This is some weird red blend called Red Revolution, because it's like revolution, but not. Um, but I, <laughs> so, um, and my friend of me today, um, oh God, my friend of me today would probably be, you know what? My dog sitter, uh, Joy, uh, she's a delight. Um, but she is in Philadelphia today, uh, because she went to the, um, Eagles Cowboys game and she is a big giant Eagles fan and I love her, but I don't like that about her. Well, you know, I Sports rivalries are sports rivalries. Yeah, I'm just I'm glad I'm in a place now where I don't care quite as deeply about that as I used to. So I can be happy for my friend that she had a good time at her football game and uh, it was entertaining to watch. Well, something about why didn't they take the Eagles to Mordor? I don't I don't understand sports, uh, but Tim does. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking. I- I was just going to let you roll with it. Lauren, we are glad to have you here for this finale. Uh, in seat number two, filling in for Aaron, who was unable to participate today, uh, it's Jay Borsom from Chicago. Jay, how you doing? What you drinking? And who would you consider your friend of me this evening? Well, I'm going to answer uh, parts one and three with the same answer, and that is Ziggy, a uh, longtime uh, friend and one-time uh, co-worker of mine who has branched off, uh, does trivia independently, and is actively, aggressively, and in an emergency context looking for some help from me. And the help isn't going great. Uh, I have that little itch in the back of my ADH, 
D brain going, get through the recording so you can do a whole bunch of programming for no good reason. Uh, so yeah, Ziggy is both how I'm doing and my frenemy for that purpose. Uh, as far as what I'm drinking, I'm going to show y'all real quick and open up this can of Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, which has absolutely no alcohol in it because all the alcohol is in this bottle of Siesta Key Spiced Rum. There it is. <laughs> From Sarasota, Florida, the only drink I drink. Well, we are glad to have you. Wow. You're really going after that. That's aggressive. Be careful. I don't want to be me two hours from now, which is why I'm drinking. Well, we do want to say thank you for taking the time to fill in. and uh, Oh, absolutely. I'm a whore for podcast appearances. You should know that by now. Well, speaking of whoring for podcast appearances, you've got one coming out on Tuesday that we can finally talk about. So uh, congrats on the new podcast launching uh, for both. Three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> Three days ago or 28 Three hours from now, depending <laughs> on how you understand the arrow of time. I don't. Uh, well, <laughs> next up, not too far from Jay, also in Chicago, Illinois, Jeremy Goodson. Jeremy, how you doing? What you drinking? And who is your frenemy today? Oh, it has uh, it has been a long day, and I am happy to finally sit down. And uh, we had to stop at the store earlier, so I picked up a brand new bottle of Maker's Mark, and I am opening that up. It doesn't have much foley sound because they changed from the little like wooden things to a screw off cap. So I'm going to pour that, and then I, for foley purposes, brought a Lacroix over to uh, pop because I will be sipping on that as well. So. Um, as far as my front of me today, I'm going to go with, uh, let's say BP gas station because holy crap, we had to fill up our car after all the driving today and it costs like $80 to fill my tank and yeah, uh, fuck them. So <laughs> they are my front of me today. Uh, I think there are a lot of people's front of me. <laughs> don't have a choice. So like you got to use them. So you got to be friends, but you know, so say, I think that strongly implies you were a big supporter of the oil industry yesterday. <laughs> no, never been a big supporter of the oil industry, but it's a necessary evil, unfortunately, if you want to get anywhere. So, yeah, yeah. I'm just sitting here going, you you bought liquor on a Sunday. You can do that <laughs> uh, because we cannot. Um, Puritan. <laughs> uh, our final contestant tonight back in Jacksonville, Florida, Alan Chrysel. Alan, how you doing? What you drinking? And who is your friend of me today? Uh, I am doing well. I am drinking from a local brewery down here, Ruby Beach Brewing Company, the Scallywag Fruited Sour, which is very good. I've had it before. It's sour with prickly pear and passion fruit. They're good. I'm having my wedding reception there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, very nice. Congratulations. Yeah, when, uh, when Tim was down for the uh, Trivial Warfare meetup, we, that was one of the places we went. Yeah, they're fun. Um, and as far as my frenemy, today's been a good day. Nothing's really, I mean, I could go to a fallback for my brother because we just, we're just always that way. So that's just the nature of siblings. Well, we are glad to have all of you here before I throw this over to Brittany to start. I'm going to open up my can. I am drinking, unfortunately, not alcohol because I'm still dealing with a gout flare up from the last two weeks. Uh, so I'm drinking a nice Sam's Cola. Not an official sponsor of the podcast. Could be. But could be. But could be. <laughs> 
And I'm going to throw this over to Brittany for the team introductions and round one. So take it away, Brittany. Thanks, Tim. Uh, like you said, we're going to get started with round one, but let's meet our teams. Today's teams are going to be Jay and Lauren, who have decided on what is their team name? We have more hair than them. <laughs> As team, we have more hair than them. I love it. And they'll be starting off with... Well, I want you to know that it was I, I threw out a feeler on we have hair than them because I feel like this can be a binary kind of option yeah. space as opposed to a spectrum of hair. Well, they do have yeah. the hair on their faces. Mm -hmm. OK, so we have more on our heads either way. Fair and valid sure. there. Yeah. Um, and team, we have more hair than them. We'll be starting with 1800 points uh, and they will be taking on Alan and Jeremy, who have decided on what is a team name. Uh, we are follically challenged. Yes, but what's your team name? <laughs> I, yes, we are follically challenged. Okay. <laughs> oh, so they'll be playing as team. We are follically challenged. Or just follically challenged. Oh, just follically challenged. Who will because be because we have more hair than them. Nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going great already, and I love it. Um, I'm just gonna keep drinking. <laughs> it's not gonna hey. help the hair grow. <laughs> Oh, I've been doing this wrong for years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that means we will have team. We have more hair than them taking on team follically challenged and team. We have more hair than them. We'll be starting off with 1800 points where team follically challenged start off with 1900 points. And that will take us into round one. And our round one categories are nice curves in mathematics. Let's get spicy in food and drink and quadruply primed in television. Go ahead and send him your wagers. All right, Brittany, let's get the show on the road. I have the wagers. Perfect. That brings us to our first question, which is nice, nice curves in mathematics. Formulated independently by Isaac Newton and Gottfried Leibniz, which operation in calculus is the continuous analog of a sum used to calculate areas and volumes? The operation was started as a method of solving problems in math and physics, such as determining displacement of velocity. All right. I believe we are locked in. Okay, team. We have more hair than them are locked in. <laughs> Follically challenged. You can talk it out. Uh, uh, sure we can. Um, Alan, unless you have some thunder on this one, I'm, I'm racking my brain. Like this is, I know this is something I've heard before. I've written around on calculus with a mm -hmm. similar question and I'm trying to remember what it is. Well, when I first think of calculus, there's two big ones. I think it's either going to be, uh, was it differentiation or integration? And I'm pretty sure yes. those are, I want to say those might be opposites. So, you know, it's, I, don't know which one so okay so integration makes me think integral right and that was something that i'd written about because this is that actually that was one of the first questions in this round was what are the two main branches of calculus right and differentiation integration um right. or integrals and uh differentiation right. so i think then that this is probably the integral because it's the yeah. continuous sum. Well, Differentiation would be the difference of. Well, right, yeah, operation, but it'd be it'd be word form integral integration. Yeah, probably the same. Um, I, I think the official term is integral, where integration is the form or is the. Oh, okay. Is the branch sure? Okay. 
Um, then we are going to lock in Integral if you're good with that. I am. I'm okay. good with that. Okay, Team Follicly Challenged has locked in Integral. Uh, what did you wager on this? Uh, 100 for us and 100 for them. Okay. Uh, team, we have more hair than them. What was your thought process and what were your wagers? Jay, I had no thought process. <laughs> uh, those who know me know. Um, yep. So yeah, integration is kind of the term for the the uh, the, the process, um, but integral is the the symbology that is used and essentially what is used in integration. So we said integral. Okay. And uh, what did you say for your wagers? Uh, I had big old swinging confidence on this. Uh, so we put 300 on ourselves and uh, I've never been able to harm anybody with math more than this moment. So I, we put 300 on them <laughs> as well. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think you both uh, summed it up, which is a math pun, uh, but this is in fact integral. Uh, yeah, that's correct. So Tim, I think I know what happened mathematically, but you want to confirm it for us? Nothing! Absolutely nothing! Uh, everybody pushed their point, so uh, nothing happened here, and we are right back where we started. Yeah, yeah our our conversation was low math for Jay. <laughs> uh, I was telling Lauren in our chat uh, when I heard Alan kind of whisper, I mean, if you're sure about that, I'm like, that was Alan realizing Jeremy wants to put 100 on math for us. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I made sure the math got in a part where Jay for sure would get to see a math question this time, because I think both times both there's times. been no math <laughs> when you were in the seat. So you're welcome. Um, but that does bring us to question two. And let's get spicy, a food and drink question. The indigenous Arawak and Taino tribes are the first peoples documented as using what style of cooking? The smoky marinade style is most commonly used on chicken and pork, and the primary ingredients are allspice and scotch bonnet peppers. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, I'm good to lock if you are. I am indeed. Okay. Team We Have More Hair Than Them is locked in. Follically challenged, you can go ahead and talk this out. Okay, I'm, I'm erasing the paragraph I was writing so we can just talk it out. Um, so... I'm I'm pretty sure, like, we, we both almost got pulled into the uh, the jerk style because that is a thing but jerk is usually mostly a dry rub like a dry rub of spices you put on stuff the thing that stands out to me in the question is smoky bar or smoky marinade which makes me think it's a barbecue because barbecue did originate in the caribbean island islands um and as we know it today like we see like brown sugar and things like that in the sauce it's different than the original um like I said, I'm 90% that this is probably barbecue is what they're looking for, but I'm open to suggestion because something else might scratch the edge. Yeah. yeah. All I, all I really had was, was just because of, you know, knowing where those tribes are. So yeah, that's all I really had. And then jerk is a thing from that region. But if you're 90% sure we'll, we'll go yeah, with this. I think if it said a, if it said a dry rub of any sort, I would be like jerk hundred percent. Right. Um, but the smoky marinade is what is sticking out to me in that question. And jerk is not usually a smoky marinade. It's usually a dry rub. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's ways to do a jerk marinade. And I know I've seen them at the store, like, you know, in right. the one, you know, 30 sure. minute marinades or whatever. But um, I, it, I, I will fall on the stake if I'm wrong on this one or, you know, <clears throat> hoist myself in my own petard. Uh, oh, wow. And go with, uh, I, I would barbecue on this one. Okay. 
Okay, follically challenged is locking with barbecue. And what did you wager on this? Oh, that's a good question. Now I got to go all the way you up. You said 300 for us, 200 for them. Okay. And team, we have more hair than them. What was your thought process and what were your wagers? Uh, our thought process, uh, I think in its entirety, was me saying, wait, is this just jerk? And then Lauren doing actual thought process. I didn't even really have much thought process either. Like, seriously, the thing, like, yes, like, geographically, jerk makes sense. And also, I'm pretty sure jerk is a smoky marinade. Like, I don't think dry rub when I think jerk. I think marinade. Yeah, I don't so, know that I've ever had a dry rub jerk style anything. I've had some jerk chicken. I've had some jerk, jerk uh, wings. We have a beautiful, like, Cajun Creole restaurant in my hometown. Yeah. And I'll, well, I could be I'll, completely wrong on this one, but I thought it was a dry rub. I don't know. Mostly. All I know is that dry rub is probably the worst jerking you can do. So <laughs> here's your episode title. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I don't feel so bad for putting in our chat and I quote, and I do like me a good jerk. Pause chicken. <laughs> Lauren, so yes. we're going to get along just fine. Yes, I know. We're doing well. I think it's, oh yes, I, we locked him with jerk. <laughs> okay. Um, and what wagers did you lock in? 100 for each of us. Okay. And us and them. Well, so here's the beautiful thing about cooking is things can be more than one thing. Uh, jerk can be a dry rub spice or it can be a marinade, a smoky marinade from made from allspice and scotch bonnet peppers. Um, so, Jeremy, you're not wrong to think that jerk is a dry rub, but it's not only a dry rub. So yeah. I cannot take barbecue because that is not, bar like you said, barbecue can be made many different ways. However, jerk is what I was looking for. So, Sorry, Alan. I, was, okay. I felt really good about that. <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes we feel good about things that are bad for us. Speaking of which, how, how did the scores turn out there? Uh, we had a 700-point swing in favor of we have more hair than them. Uh, who picked up 200 while follically challenged lost 500. Uh, so we head to the third, uh, the third question with a 2,000 to 1,400 point lead. Thanks, Tim. And that third question is quadruply primed in television. Jody Flater has been the narrator since season 24 for which Oxygen True Crime docuseries produced by Jupiter Entertainment. Each standalone episode focuses on the motivations and timelines of a murderer and those involved, and the episode ends with text recaps of the outcomes of the perpetrators. Good with it. Um, yeah, we're going to lock in. Okay, Team Follically Challenged has locked in. Team, we have more hair than them. You can talk this one out. Hmm. So, I don't know. First uh, and only thing that came to mind was the first 48, and I'm not even sure that's on Oxygen. I don't think it is. And I, the only reason I know this is because um, uh, da, 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 I'm pretty sure that the first 48 is um, narrated by a man. Uh, Bill Curtis, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Okay. Now that you um, mention it. So I don't know. I don't watch Oxygen. I um, don't do true crime. So. Yeah. Yeah. I. I um. I don't know. Um, but, you know, so it's possible. And I'm just going to advocate a little bit for the only thing that I have. It's possible that I'm thinking of an older portion of the series run of the first 48. And it does say that uh, she's been the narrator since season 24. 
So what if Bill Curtis was the narrator for the first 23 seasons? Or the first 48 of them? <laughs> <laughs> also, and I not that I understand how it would connect, but you know, the the clue quadruply prime does make me very much think that the answer is going to have some kind of numeric connection. It, well, <laughs> yes. Um but the the, the 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 nature of the oxygen network like has a number right because they call themselves o2 sometimes you know um yeah so I think that was like a, a sister uh programming channel that they right had under the oxygen family yeah i'm just trying to think of like true crime shows that i that I'm i super know super open to any alternative guess. no i know i know i know um oh god oh god um like I know so many true crime podcasts. And so like, I'm literally going through my brain thinking like, okay, like what are they like tweeting about? Do you know what I mean? Um, right. Because, because a bunch of them get like their episode ideas from things that happen on these other, these other shows. Yeah. Bear, um, bear in mind. And again, just self-advocating this thing has been around for years and years and years at this point, if it's been at least 24 seasons and probably several more. Right. Well, not necessarily. Mean- I understand it's cable true crime, so seasons probably aren't like a calendar year, but right. even then it's going to have been around at least a full decade. At least a full decade. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, oh God. Um, that was actually helpful in my brain. Oh, good. Um, because when I was in college, I had friends that loved, it was, in, it was on oxygen. Um, it was called Snap not ringing a bell at all unfortunately and uh, i know that was a woman i don't know if it was like the woman that we need here um that's all i have so we can either go with 48 hours or or snapped i just i have like i just remember sitting in a dorm room watching something on oxygen that i think was called snapped but I don't know how the category title works into that. I'm not super confident that the category title works in with mine, but you know, if we're, if we're drawing lots here uh, for it, uh, I think we're better off going with the first 48 and hoping. Okay. That's fine. So we can do that. All right. Let's, let's lock in and hope. Okay. You locked in the first 48 and what were your wagers here? Uh, we two put, and two. Yep. We dropped the double deuce. <laughs> okay. Um, and Team Follically Challenge, what was your thought process here? And what did what were your wagers? Um, the thought process was uh, basically that I pretty much knew it right off the bat. And I was worried listening to their deliberation because the answer is absolutely snapped. Uh, Jody Flader took over. I've seen a bunch of the shows. She took over for Sharon Martin, I believe, was the original. But yeah, it's definitely snapped. Uh, Jade, would you like the spare petard? I'm <laughs> good, thank you. Okay, so you're locking in with Snapped, and what were your wagers here? Uh, we said two for us, three for them. Okay. Well. So, uh, let me explain the clue real quick, because I think that was tripping people up. So, when it comes to um, uh, relative pos- uh, time derivatives of position, um, you have... Uh, Velocity, or you have speed and then or velocity and then acceleration and then jerk and then and snap. then snap and then crackle and pop. So if you were writing that out, you would write R four primes or or R quadruple prime. So this question was quadruply 
quadruply primed because it was snapped. So uh, it is in fact snapped. I may or may not have been binge listening to that while working the past week because it's a comfort show, um, which may say more about me than <laughs> other things. But, you know, I support women's rights and women's wrongs. So and some except for when it's really, really wrong. So uh, but speaking of really, really wrong, Tim, stop me speaking, please. And just tell us what the scores are. <laughs> OK, um, so at the end of the first section, uh, Lauren and Jay team, we have more hair than them, lost a total of 300 points. They lost 400 on that question. Uh, they're going to head to section two with 1600. Uh, team follically challenged overall pushed their points, but they picked up 500 on that question. They're going to go uh, into section two with 1900. Okay. Well, your categories for uh, section two are, I get lay impression in art. Now, if you'd rather watch, you can in movies and some level of effort in comics. Go ahead and send him your wagers. You know what you just did, Brittany. Oh, I'm fully aware of what I just did. All right, Brittany, I do have everybody's wagers. Thanks, Tim. So that brings us to question one of section two. I get lay impression in art. Which French impressionist who lived from 1841 to 1919 painted The Dancer, Dance in the Country, and Dance in the City? He often painted his friends in his works, including the Samarie sisters, who appeared in both the Dance at La Moulin de la Galette and Luncheon at the Boating Party. All right, Lauren, I think we have a consensus here. We do. Locked in. Okay, team, we have more hair than them is locked in. Team Follically Challenged, you can talk this one out. Sure. Jeremy, this is you. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I was, I saw dance and French Impressionist, so I immediately thought this was going to be a Degas question, or Degas, as they call me, because I mispronounced it once, and they won't ever let me live it down. But I, I think this is uh, Renoir. Yeah, that... that a dance in the City is, is the one that sticks in my head, and I'm pretty sure it's Renoir. Oh. See, I'm looking at the time frame and then luncheon of the boating party. So yeah, that that seems to ring some bells for me. But it was you were on that way quicker than I was. So yeah. So I, because of the whole thing, I actually have done a lot of research on French impressionists because I don't want to screw these up. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure I, I I'm I'm like 99 sure it's Renoir. Sure, we'll, we'll right. go with that. Then uh, we're locking in Renoir. Okay, team follically challenged locking in Renoir. Uh, and what were your wagers on this one? Uh, 100 for us, 300 for them. Okay. And team, we have more hair than them. What was your thought process and what were your wagers? Oh, we ate the Pavlov on this real hard. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I believe uh, right the only my... pause I think we had in our thought process was, is boating party, Degas? I remember it was a geek ball question I couldn't suss out and never bothered to look up who actually painted it because it was the visual round. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was like, Degas did all the dancers. Um, so yeah, we locked in with uh, Degas. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's what Just we did. Just didn't look back on that one. So we'll see. Nope. Okay. And what were your wagers? Um, one hundred for us and three hundred for them. <laughs> okay. Well, one team went with Degas, and one team went with Renoir. Um, and that luncheon of the boating party was kind of the main clue there because Degas was very famous for a lot of his dancing portraits. Uh, but he didn't do any boating party luncheons. This was Auguste Renoir. 
I think it's Pierre Auguste Renoyer. I think it's Renoyer, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I almost did it as a joke, and then I stopped myself. Um, But I will say, I was actually, so uh, Renoir also painted a bunch of bathers, and I was going to use bathers to differentiate him from Degas. But then when I looked up Bather series, the first name that pops up when you looked up Bather series was Degas. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, not going to use that. So there's a man of many uh, talents. Renoir was actually a uh, admirer of Degas work. And they lived roughly around the same time as I believe Degas was born in like 1838 and died in 1917. So they were very close in time frame. But anyway um tim the points that was a wild swing there's an 800 point swing on that one as we have more hair than them lost 400 that follically challenged found uh so it's now 2300 to 1200 in favor of follically challenged okay well then that brings us to question two with now if you'd rather watch you can a movies question charlie shackleton was responsible for which 2016 protest film backed by kickstarter Shackleton developed the film by producing 607 minutes of the title action to force the British Board of Film Classification to watch all 10 hours to give the film an age rating. Sorry, I've never been more certain about anything in my life than I am about this. We are locked in. Okay, we shall lock in. Okay, team, we have more hair than them have locked in. Team Follically Challenged, go ahead and talk this one out. This is one of those I just remember being a thing and... Uh, I, I'm like I'm 99% sure the film and it fits the clue just of watching all 607 minutes of the film called Paint Drying. So that's what we are locking in with Paint Drying. Okay. And uh, Alan, what did y'all wager here? We said I think 300 on us, 100 on them. Okay. Um, and team, we have more hair than them. Uh, what did you lock in with, and what were your wagers? Oh, this has been making the rounds on uh, Reddit very recently, so I've seen it three or four times in the last weekend. It is 100% paint drying. Okay. And, uh... Oh, 300 on us, 200 on them. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, well, I wasn't sure how this was going to play because, uh, shout out to my friend Andy Trahan, who sent me this meme and was like, hey, have you heard of this? And I was like, no, but don't be surprised if you hear a trivia question about it soon. He sent it to me, too. Yeah, I should have anticipated that before this exact moment. That was one of several times, because he he sent me, I can pull up the message. He's like, hey, have you seen this? I'm like, yeah, I just saw it, like, yesterday. Well, uh, it's fascinating when you have mutual friends. Sometimes they send the same memes to everybody, but since you're both on opposite teams, I don't feel that bad about it, because it's fair shot for everyone. Uh, It is, in fact, paint-drying. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. It is just a wall of white paint drawing, drying on brick. He did originally film 14 hours of it, but he edited it down to 10 because in order for it to qualize, qualify as a film, there has to be some level of production to it. So he edited four hours out to make uh, the British film rating group watch it. And they rated it a U with uh, no harmful content. He so. he cut out the boring parts, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, seven seven more minutes off, and you've got a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the exposition, you know, it, that middle bit. You don't really need it. Um, but Tim, what were our scores on that one? Uh, both teams are picking up points. Follically challenged, picking up two hundred. While we have more hair than them, picked up one hundred on that one. Uh, thank you. Uh, so that brings us to question three in the round, which is some level of effort in comics. 
Which highly trained mercenary with the last name of Wilson is an expert gunman and swordsman, is formidable in hand-to-hand -hand combat, has accelerated healing abilities, and wears a skin-tight muscle suit with a mask that completely obscures his face. He was created in 1980 as a foe against the new version of a group of teenage heroes, and he made his first live-action big-screen debut in 2017. Lauren, do you trust me? I do. All right, I then do. we're in. That's okay. Yes, that's fine. Okay, team, we have more hair than them is locked in. Team follically challenged? So, yeah, I was, um, I was answering it while you were reading it. But the thing that gets me is a uh, big screen debut for the one you put was 2016. Was it? So I'm wondering when did uh, Batman v Superman come out? Because the ending credit had uh, Slade Wilson in it. Oh. I'm trying to remember the year. Because this one is Wade. Because if, if it's the one I'm thinking of, his name is Wade Wilson. Which is very, I think very Batman similar. v Superman was also 2016. So I'm a little bit confused because the uh, the new version of the group of teenage heroes would be the new mutants then uh, because that's absolutely who Deadpool was made for. Right. I'm okay locking in Deadpool, but the big screen debut is because throwing me off because it was 2016, yeah. but so was Batman v Superman. So the Slade Wilson right. on the big screen would also have been 2016. So yeah, Deadpool definitely has accelerated healing abilities, the skin type muscle suit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, that, let's go with it because that's the neg bait, and it sounds right. Um, being a big Deadpool fan, like something is itching in the back of my brain that there's something we're missing in this question because of the year. But I'm gonna go with. Uh, oh, well, we, we can lock in Deadpool. Or Wade Wilson, whichever. Yeah. Yeah, or Wade Wilson. Uh, I would be looking for the the hero name. Deadpool. Or villain name, however you want to say it. Yeah, then Deadpool. Okay. Uh, okay, Team Follically Challenge locks in Deadpool, and what did you wager here? Uh, 300 for us. Or no, sorry, we dropped a... No, never mind, that was the last question. Uh, we dropped a deuce on both sides. Okay, dropping a deuce on both sides. <laughs> uh, team, we have more hair than them. Go ahead and talk this one out, and let me know what you wagered at the end. Uh, if I may first, Brittany, I'm just going to stare at you in the camera for a second while I pull a long pull from this rum bottle. Because you know what you did. So, back in the Halcyon days of two questions ago, we had something <laughs> alluding to a French Impressionist. Jeremy Goodson, my, my good friend and current frenemy, uh, famously associates with the Impressionist Degas because, yes, once, years ago, in sight reading a trivia question, he mispronounced it. Uh, and then you swerved us with Renoir. So as soon as you said, highly trained mercenary with the last name of Wilson, I started typing in our group chat, Deathstroke, I know where this is going. Uh, because that Jeremy, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, that X-Men Origins Wolverine came out before 2017, which would have been the big screen debut of Garbage Deadpool. Yeah, you're right. But the Slade Wilson thing was still 2017 or 2016. So that's why I'm confused. I don't know that it is, but I know this is definitely not Deadpool. So we said Deathstroke. Okay, you said Deathstroke. And what did you say for your wagers here? 200 for us and 100 for them. Okay. Well, so I am going to double check the movie thing. But he, yeah, just double checking my research. Uh, so Deathstroke did not make his debut in Batman v Superman. He made it in the end credit scene of Justice League. Oh, I thought it was Which the end was... credit scene of Batman vs. Superman. 
not according to my research. It's okay. saying um, I, I, I could be wrong about that, but I, I thought yeah. it was. It was a uh, Justice League, but Jay's also right in that garbage Deadpool came out yeah. in X Men Origins Wolverine, which I think it was like 2010 or something like that. I don't remember the exact year. He's the um, Merc with the mouth. How do you sew it shut? But beyond that, in the comic books, Deadpool did not make his debut until 1991 where he was introduced against the New Mutants. However, Deathstroke was introduced in 1980 as the foe of the New Teen Titans. So this is one, in fact, Deathstroke. Apologies to the 45 pieces of Deadpool memorabilia I have within 10 (laughs) feet of me right now. Nice. Including, but not limited to. Aww. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I can't turn him on because he does unspeakable things to the unicorn. And confirmed Deathstroke was in the end credit scene of Justice League, which was 2017. Yes, it was. <laughs> so uh, that does mean we had a 700-point swing in favor of our ladies who have more hair than the follically challenged men. Uh, 300 points going to the ladies, 400 coming from the men, and it is 2,100 to 1,600, leaving Section 2 in favor of follically challenged. Okay. Um, and I believe when I sent you this question for proofreading earlier, Tim, your response was, oh, so you're just baiting everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Because I had also just sent him the Renoir question. (laughs) I can't read a category, but I can read a meta. A little bit. I just wanted to make sure you saw both. So, um, so that does take us out of section two and into section three, where our categories are. My regrets follow you to the grave in religion and mythology. Don't forget, forget in history. And little Mason can't be wrong in science. Go ahead and send him your wagers. Uh, Brittany, let's go. I've got the wagers. All right. Thanks, Tim. Um, And your first question in section three is, my regrets follow you to the grave in religion and mythology. The leaves of what flowering plant can be used to wrap burrata cheese as the life of the cheese is the same time frame as it takes the leaves to dry out. In Greek mythology, the flowers are associated with Persephone, who wears a crown of them, and they are also found in a field or meadow where most of the souls in the underworld reside. Go back to the question. Wait, what did you put? Uh, if I could spell. Um, I am going to go ahead and say a minute before I'll have to ask a team to lock in. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll lock in. Okay, team Follically Challenged has locked in. Team, we have more hair than them. Go, uh, you can go ahead and talk this out. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, our, th- th- here's what I got. That's it. That's what I got. Yeah, is Bupkiss a flower? Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, so no, but like we were talking about before, back and forth a bit. And it's like, yes, you know, Persephone is, is connected with the pomegranate, but like, that's not a field flower kind of thing. Right. And so there's, there's another, so there's another flower with Persephone. Right. And I'm, I'm like, it, it is like, I don't think they mention it in Hades town, which is killing me. Yeah. Is like, is Narcissus a flower? Narciss- it is, but it's- it is way more strongly associated in Greek mythology with uh, narcissists. Well, yeah, yeah, there's that, right? But 
I don't know. It's in the Persephone phylum, but I don't have no idea what it looks like. But that's a fielding flower. But I have no idea if that is related to cheese is the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. You know Narcissus uh, is associated or you know related to jonquils because I wrote a trivia question about it not terribly long ago. Uh-huh. That that's it. That's what I know about uh Narcissus flowers. I'm just like, I am so confused. You know, it's like what kind of leaves would you I don't know. Like, can you just use any leaf? You know, does well, it have I mean, to be? If certain, it's like... the leaf of a flower, you have to assume it's gonna be a larger leaf if you're wrapping cheese in it. Right. And so I'm like, what kind of fielding flower is gonna have like a big a big leaf? You know, so and that's that's why I threw out sunflower. But I again, nothing to back it up except for big flower, big leaf, big swing. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I just don't think sunflowers would be mm-hmm. in ancient Greece. You know, I, I don't necessarily so. disagree with you, but you know, in the absence of literally another answer. Yeah, that's fine. We can go with that. I I have no clue. So I, sunflower I works I, for me. Yeah, I, I wish I didn't feel like it was wrong, uh, but we have not oh, named another yeah. flowering plant in the yeah. X amount of time that we've had. Uh, no, I'm, so... I'm sure it's wrong, but sunflowers are my favorite flower, so I'm not mad at going with it. There you go. Let's put an end to this question then and say sunflower and take yes. our lumps. Okay, locking with sunflowers. And what was your wager here? Probably too much. No, 100 for us and 300 for them. Ooh, oh, I like hearing that. Say we did okay. okay. Well, then we shall move over to the follically challenged and ask uh, what your thought process was and what your wagers were. Uh, Our thought process was basically like, I remember this from like a food channel thing or food network thing. And I don't remember exactly how it was pronounced. I was like Asphodus, Asphelius, Asphodelius, and a whole bunch of other stuff like that. Does that ring a bell? Um, And Alan came back. What about, is it just Asphodel? Because I was it? I remember that from Greek mythology and it rings a bell and I'm like, well, let's just go with that. We'll just cut off the end part and hope that asphodel is uh, the correct uh, flower. Okay, so locking in asphodel and Alan, what did y'all wager here? We said 100 for us, 300 for them. Okay. Well, um, in Victorian flower language, this flower's um, uh, interpretation is my regrets follow you to the grave. Um, and that is taken from uh, the association of the flower with death in the uh, Greek mythological world. Um, the interpretation sometimes varies between fields of asphodel and meadows of asphodel, but it is in fact the flower asphodel. Thank you for cutting that off, Alan, because I was gonna just go down a rabbit hole there. Yeah, like I, that's why I went back and reread the question. I was like, wait a minute. I was 42 years old when I first came across the word asphodel. I believe um, in the Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief book, Percy and Annabeth spend quite a bit of time in the fields of asphodel. Okay. It is sort of the Greek myth equivalent of purgatory. Aha. Uh, And it is for those who had led lives of mediocrity. You know, it's it's a (laughs) mid-level reference. (laughs) It is a mid-level reference. So it's not just for those fideling with our asses. (laughs) <laughs> there's nothing mid about this sorry continue oh my gosh uh tim do you want to cut off any segue i'm gonna to try to come up with <laughs> yes uh jeremy to put you out of your misery the scientific name is asphodelus 
Okay. Uh, there is there is no e in there. It's it's not asphodelius. It's just asphodelus. Uh, but the follically challenged are going to pick up. Uh, be on the positive side of the eight hundred point swing as they gain four hundred. While the, uh, we have more hair than them, lose four hundred. At least we haven't lost our hair. <laughs> True. Um. Okay. So that brings <laughs> us into question two. You may pull it out by the end of this. <laughs> oh, work in progress over here. We wear it well. All right. Well, question two in section three is don't forget, forget a history question. Perhaps you remember, remember the 5th of November and the gunpowder plot. Guy Fox, Guy Fox, twas his intent to blow up King and Parliament. Who was King at the time of the gunpowder plot? I'm going to ask a question that's probably going to benefit them too, but do you need Reginald number? A uh, regnal number, yes, if it applies. Oh, uh, we're locked in. Okay, uh, team follically challenged is locked in. Team, we have more hair than them. You can talk this one out. Oh man. Uh, well, fortunately, um, I do this thing on TikTok every day where I write a trivia question and put it out about the day of the year that it is. Uh, today, uh, as we record, is November fifth, uh, which is Guy Fox Day, is Gunpowder Day. So I happen to know dead to rights that the year of the gunpowder plot was 1605. Now, if that throws a ruler at Lauren, great. Uh, because from there, I know uh, Elizabeth I was a couple decades earlier in the mid-slash-late uh, 16th century. So I think that gets us into uh, when Scotland... Uh, yeah, and- yeah. Because it was the whole thing with the... Yeah, because the, the, the Catholics are going to Catholic about Catholic things. And um, so, yes, yeah. But, I mean, that's all they do. And I was raised Catholic, so, you know, Catholics are going to Catholic about Catholic things. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, like, this makes sense. It was James, James I of England, right? Yeah, sixth of Scotland, first of England. First of England. But I want to just kind of take this from the other direction. So, George III was late 18th century. George's two and one were right before uh there was a Charles somewhere in the mix, Charles the second. Cause I remember when Charles the third took the throne, people were a little surprised that he took the name because the name's a little cursed. So, and I'm thinking back to, um, watching outlander and like that first, that second season was about trying to restore, uh, a Stuart to the throne. Was it Charles? They were trying to restore to the throne. And that would have been, mid 18th century uh all of this to say who was elizabeth's kid did she have a kid i don't think she did that i think is the virgin queen (laughs) that was the whole last point um yeah let's let's go with james the sixth of scotland slash the first of england slash the zeroth of america because we won that war (laughs) yeah (laughs) cool okay so we're going with, with Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, with Jimmy Stewart. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what, and uh, what uh, wagers did you lock in with? Uh, 300 for us, 200 for them. Okay. And uh, Team Follically Challenged, you locked in fairly quickly here. What was your thought process and your wagers? Um, the thought process was Jeremy said James, but what number? And almost at the same time, we were like, James won, I think. So, yeah, we decided to lock in because we're not going to get more on the same page than that. Okay. Um, and what were your wagers here? Uh, we said three for us, two for them. 
Okay. Well, uh, yeah, the uh, only part of the historical event not mentioned in the nursery rhyme was what year it took place in, but it did take place in 1605. Uh, Jay, I have not watched your TikTok <laughs> yet today. so uh, Spoiler I guess, alert. <laughs> I might get it right. Um, but yeah, this was in fact James the first of England, James the sixth of Scotland, and sure, James the zeroth of America, because as Jay said, we won that war. Um, but yeah, uh, glad you remember remembered. So Tim, uh, can you tell us, tell us the scores? I can, can do the can, can, uh, no, um, <laughs> Also, a good point of reference is that the King James Bible was published in 1611. So uh, kind of narrows that one down there. We have both teams picking up 100 points here. So it's 2,600 to 1,300 in favor of follically challenged. But we still have four questions to go in the team round. Okay. Well, let's hit that last question of section three then, shall we? With Little Mason can't be wrong in science. What subatomic particle is the antiparticle to the electron? The particle has a charge of plus one E, a spin of one half the same as an electron, and the same mass as an electron. Yeah, we can lock in with that if you're okay with that. I'm, I'm that very okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, team, we have more hair than them is locked in. Team Follically Challenged, you can talk this one out. <laughs> um, I said positron, maybe? In my head going, because it sounds right. And Alan said, yep. So I think we're going to line with Positron. Are you positive? Tronically. Okay. <laughs> and what was your wagers here? Or were your wagers? Uh, 200 for us, 100 for them. Okay. And team, we have more hair than them? I wish it was a cool hero's journey to get to this, but uh, this is just one I know dead to rights. Uh, the electron annihilates with Positrons to make... Uh, James the Zero, mostly. And it rhymes <clears throat> with Mazatlan. <laughs> okay. Would, would would James the Zeroth be Jimmy Neutron? <laughs> wow. And I thought my Jimmy Stewart reference was bad. That's the slow clap. You are welcome. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, what did you wager on this one? 200 for us and 100 for them. Okay. Uh, well, before I re reveal the answer, uh, the clue there, Little Miss Song Can't Be Wrong, is a reference to the Spin Doctor song, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong, um, just to clue that this was about spinning uh, or spinning particles. But this is, in fact, the Positron. So, Tim, Yay. I think both of our teams posited some Tron scores there. You went one step too far on that. I know. You were there. Oh, you had it. Little, and then three a, more words. Uh, but no, uh, both teams pick up 100 points. We head to the final section of the team round. Follically challenged, have 2,700. We have more hair than them, have 1,400. But importantly. More hair than them. Mm -hmm. All right. So that does mean we will go to the fourth section where the categories are my fair punctuation in language. How many composers can Bill Keen fit in here in music? And if forgiving is divine in movies, go ahead and send him your wagers. All right, Brittany, let's do this final round of the team's half. All right, let's do it. Your first question in section four is my fair punctuation, a language question. 
which Irish playwright and critic thought apostrophes were unnecessary and was wont to skip them except in cases where it served him ill or would cause him hell to clarify his meanings. Despite his dislike, several titles among his body of works contained apostrophes, such as Widower's House, The Doctor's Dilemma, and John Bull's Other Island. Yeah, I'm super okay with that, uh, if you are, Lauren. I am very good. Okay, team, we have more hair than them is left in. Team Follicly Challenged, you can talk this out. All right, um, so I I think we both just kind of locked in on this at the same time. We were just kind of having a discussion here. Um, uh, We were basically like, well, I know for a fact George Bernard Shaw, like, did not like punctuation much, and uh, he was a big influence on Cormac McCarthy's writing. And Cormac McCarthy famously barely uses any punctuation in his books, which, as much as I love his books, makes them really annoying. But uh, again, his main influence is George Bernard Shaw, who is an Irish playwright, so we went George Bernard Shaw. Okay, and what'd you wager here? Uh, 200 for us, 100 for them. Okay, and team, we have more here than them. What did you say, and what were your wagers? We also said Shaw. Yeah, I believe Brittany refers to George Bernard as Great Uncle George. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> ah. Ah. Nice. <laughs> and uh 300 for us 100 for them okay uh well both teams picking up on that one uh the clue there being my fair punctuation uh george bernard shaw wrote the play pygmalion which was later turned into my fair lady um and he uh did not like apostrophes so well good they didn't like him either tim what'd that do to our scores uh, let's see here. Both teams are going to pick up points. We have more hair than them are going to pick up more points. They can pick up 200 while follically challenged pick up 100. It is 2,800 to 1,600 in favor of the follically challenged. Thanks, Tim. And your second question is how many composers can Bill Keen fit in here? A music question. Entrance of the Gladiators is a military march composed in 1897 by Czech composer Julius Gusick. It was arranged for wind bands by Louis-Philippe Lardot and published by Carl Fisher in 1901 under the title Thunder and Blazes and is most associated with what decidedly not military event. <laughs> yeah. Uh, t- yeah. No. Okay. We're going to lock in. Okay. Team, we have more hair than them is locked in. Team, follow the challenge. You can talk this out. Um... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of what happened in 1901 <laughs> or around 1901. That was decidedly not a mm. military event. Um, oh, wait, is this Carl Fisher arranged for what? Is this that um, send in the clowns when clowns come out kind of deal? That thing. I th- actually think you're right, but... What would be not the event? Like that's what I'm. I'm getting. Uh, maybe I'm getting hung up on that more than it's I should be. Decidedly not military event. I mean, like 1901 was like uh, the only thing I can think of that happened. In 1901 was uh, William McKinley's assassination, but I doubt that. Right. I mean, it was decidedly. I mean, I guess it was decidedly not a military. When event. When was uh, like? Because under the most well, not military. Like circuses, like when were like the Ringling Brothers started? Wasn't that right after like the turn of the century? Yeah, right around then. Um, so not late 1800s, early 19, yeah, late 1800s ish. Not, yeah, decidedly not military event would be a circus. Although having served in the military, it can be very circus like. <laughs> I mean, but what would be the event? 
A circus. Uh, just a circus? I mean, the, the first circus? The first Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey circus? I, I would say just if they want more, we can give them that, but... I'm okay with it. I really have nothing I said. The only thing I can think of for sure that happened in 1901, just racking my brain, William right. McKinley assassination, and I think that was the end of the Qing dynasty around that time. But right. even still, like that was a, if I remember correctly, that was a signing of a like declaration. It wasn't like there was no military right. hubbub around that. Yeah, let's just say circuses. Okay, I'm fine with that. I got nothing that... Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you have locked in with circuses, and what were your wagers? Uh, one hundred for us and two hundred for them. Okay. Uh, team, we have more hair than them. Go ahead and talk this one out and tell me your wagers. So How flashback. How did we know this? Yeah, I was gonna Let say us flashback. Count the ways. <laughs> <laughs> flashback to when you gave the categories, and I was like, so Bill Keen wrote Family Circus, and the way it's worded is how many composers can bill keen fit into whatever bill keen's fitting composers into and i was like okay well that's a that's a circus thing to clowns also and um and so like literally when the categories came out i typed in the thing to jay i was like i bet this is entrance of the gladiators like i was like i knew it yeah yeah i knew it based on the whole thing and then like the clue happened and we were both just like circus (laughs) it's a circus so we locked in with circus okay (laughs) Locked in with it's a psychus. It's and a what did you lock in for your wagers? One hundred for us and three hundred for them. I had so much thunder behind that. Do you know, before, you love when that happens? <laughs> before Brady says, like, I feel a lot better about this now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you were a participant in uh, the World Trivia Federation back in April, you should feel great about it because I basically wrote this question. Did you? Yeah, take a look at our uh, group chat. I pasted it in. Oh, okay. Um, Answer was circuses and everything. Circai. Okay, yeah. So I promise that when I wrote this question, I wasn't ripping you off. I literally wrote this from scratch. It'd be really awkward if you were, all things considered. All yeah, all things considered. Um, but it is in fact circuses and not anything more specific than that, which <laughs> I I mean, part of me wanted Jeremy to lock in with the ending of the King Dynasty at a circus. <laughs> Like, I mean, it could have been a circus. You never know. <laughs> all eyes on Look at all the clowns. You know what? Just we like don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> all right. Uh, Tim, what does it do to our scores? Yeah, what, what even is happening at this point? Oh, uh, both teams losing points on this one because <laughs> this show is a circus. Um, <laughs> the, the ladies of We Have More Hair Than Them are losing more points. They lose 200, while Follically Challenged lose 100. We head into the final question. We Have More Hair Than Them does not have more points than them. It's 1,400 to 2,700. Okay, well, let's hear that last question. And that question is, if forgiving is divine, a movie's question. Robin Williams plays a single soul going through various incarnations throughout time in what 1994 comedy drama co-starring John Turturro, Bill Nye, Vincent D'Onofrio, Robert Carlyle, Teresa Russell, and Ewan McGregor. The film shares its name with an unrelated supernatural BBC show adapted in the U.S. about a ghost, a werewolf, and a vampire trying to live a, quote, normal life. Uh, We're locked in. Okay, Team Follicly Challenged is locked in. Team, we have more hair than them. Go ahead and talk this out. 
So this is incredibly important because answering this question correctly determines whether nothing. Yeah, I did, did, we did have that. game. Um, Just so a question anyway, of how soon do I start drinking heavily and shit posting on Jeremy and to a no, lesser and greater this, extent, Alan? <laughs> this is more of a question of a uh, how soon do 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 I get to go to bed? Um, so I'm not mad at it. Um, oh my god, I don't know. Like, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with it from the direction of the Robin Williams thing, because the only thing that's popping to mind is like, I don't even know off the top of my head now, if it's uh Robin Williams, but what dreams may come came to mind. And that's, that's definitely wrong. That's way wrong. That's like Cuba Gooding Jr. And several years later, uh, but coming at it from the BBC thing, there's a show uh, called what we do in the shadows. Mm. And I know mm. it's comedic and like supernatural and, I don't know about it in a film context, but you know, coming from from that angle, that's a thing that exists, and I think might be this thing. Yeah, I mean, I we got nothing to lose. Yeah, we got nothing let's, to lose. Let's we're yolo this. Lose. Yolo. Uh, sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll lock in with what we do in the shadows. Sounds good. Okay, locking in with what we do in the shadows. Um, and what wagers did you come up with? Uh, Thirty-five thousand on us, and sure. Zero on them. There we go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's the last question. It's, it's double deuces. Or yeah. we dropped a double, double deuces. deuces. Okay. We be all pedantic about it. <laughs> I mean, we just threw out all the scoring. For the, no, you're fine. Um, okay, so you're locking in with what we do in the shadows. Uh, team Follically challenged. What did you lock in with, and what was your thought process and your wagers? Um, so I, I'm a huge Robin Williams fan. I've probably seen all of his movies multiple times. Um, so I started typing in the answer and I had it in the box before you finished the question. And then you said the BBC show, which also became a U.S. television show later on in, an, in a uh, homage to it, basically. Um, and it was called Being Human. And I loved that show. Uh, so it's, yeah, Robin Williams movie, Being Human, the show, Being Human. Uh, yeah, Being Human. 100%. What we do in the shadows is a good show, though. It too. is. It is. Um, I actually just watched the first episode of that with Aaron for date night a couple nights ago. We watched, or I guess about a week ago, we watched the first episode of What We Do in the Shadows, which is also a movie. Um, it's not this movie, but it is a movie. Oh, uh, no. That cost us here? the game an hour ago. Um, we wagered 35001 on ourselves. <laughs> oh, no. You can't do that. you got to follow the rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we, we dropped trays on both sides insult what, to injury why not what would that even be is that be... three and three yeah. yeah okay i was like 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 a platter you dropped a platter <laughs> um, or ey it was a whole charcuterie board um well if forgetting is divine then what is being human i guess it's a bbc show turned into a sci-fi show which was also the name of a totally unrelated movie which you know i don't know Tim, you should really stop me when I get in the middle of this just to, like, save our listeners. Brittany, there is no stopping you at this point in the True. season. Um, <laughs> I really thought there'd be more Ninja Turtles based on the forgiveness is divine, but that's just me. <laughs> Never pay full price for Never late pizza. Never pay full price for late pizza. Uh, yeah, I, I really wrote this question because I was like, wait, Robin Williams and Ewan McGregor were in a movie together? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Obi-Wan? Yeah, Ewan McGregor is uh, one of his early roles. It was his very first, actually. Uh, it was a very young Ewan McGregor. Uh, but yeah, so that means that we have more hair than them. 
has reached the end of the road with a they'll finish with a thousand points follically challenged will pick up 600 there and finish with 3300 now they get to go bald head to head (laughs) and i finally just get to sit here and drink and watch okay and that does mean we've reached the end of the first half and uh unfortunately lauren you have to take off but it's been a pleasure having you here uh jeremy and alan you will be moving on in what lauren has dubbed a bald head to head which i just am going to shamelessly steal because i love it um and we will see you both in the individual round two after these short messages From the shores of Tamriel to the non-existent edges of the Rainbow Road, music has not only shaped the worlds of video games, but also our lives, both real and virtual. But which video game soundtrack has done that the best? Come along on a month-long adventure with host Jay Borsum and the panelists of the Boozy Bracketology podcast to find out. Will their choices take your breath of the wild away? Or will it be game over for someone's final fantasy pick? There's only one way to know for sure, and that's by listening to Boozy Bracketology throughout the month of November as we crown what we believe to be the best video game music of all time. Boozy Bracketology. Fizzy drinks. Strong opinions. Crowning champions. A proud part of the PTE Network and available wherever you find your podcasts. Coming this November, from the network that brings you the pub trivia experience, Boozy Bracketology, and Frenemy Trivia, a new word game podcast that promises to entertain you in 30 words or less, or it's free, Verboten. Listen in every Tuesday as two teams of competitors square off to try to prove that they have the best words. They'll be joined by our host, the hardest working woman in trivia, Jay Borsum of Liquid Courage Entertainment. In round one, our players will have to prove their word association skills. In round two, their memory will be tested. And in round three, they'll have to untangle the clues that Jay herself has to offer. No two clues will be alike, because on this show, repeating yourself is strictly verboten. Coming soon to the PTE Network. And welcome back for our individual bald head to bald head round between Jeremy and Alan. As a reminder to our listeners, round two functions exactly like round one, except for that when, except for when one player locks in an answer, the other player has only 30 seconds to think it through give a movie review, whatever they want to do. It's their time, but they only have 30 seconds of it. Uh, we have taken the points they earned in round one and divided them. And since that wasn't an even number, we rounded it up. So each player will be starting with 1,700 points. I'm going to throw it over to my best friend of me, the, I don't know, the graham cracker to my raisin bran, Tim, who will be handling the individual round two the what i don't know you gave me something insulting for the start of this i thought i'd pick something equally weird i mean you gave me graham cracker uh so that's much better than delicious right uh Mm. it's much better than raisin bran uh but both teams or both players are going to be starting with 1700 points as we dive in our first three categories in the individual round Something terrible will happen to this hit, which is a music question. Not just sparkling fun facts, which is a geography question. 
And if you dare wear short shorts, which is a sports question, go ahead and send Brittany your wagers. Once again, you know what you did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we were just talking about how Guapo's our current favorite person. <laughs> you know, I should have done that for the uh of me thing at the beginning, but oh well. That is honestly the funniest thing ever that he sent that to you. No, no joke. My wife goes, did you order this? Because it had your name on it. And I'm like, no, I didn't order anything. God damn it. And I just busted out laughing. Uh, so I, I just it, it, basically I knowingly flub geography stuff. Um, but I did yeah, it because we're doing a hot seat. Uh, Tim and I, uh, Tim, me versus Tim. Yeah, I'm on the Discord. Seat. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> so guapo sent me yes, an yeah, atlas a kid's atlas yeah. and it's just i mean you gotta start somewhere mm-hmm. oh my god i i literally laughed so hard i told my wife the story and she just started laughing she goes oh that's amazing mm-hmm. that, that that's awesome yeah i think i think the final impetus on that one was you saying the appalachian trail when asked about a road in italy well, I, I had like in my head, I'm like, it's something like this. And we're on a, you know, it's hot seat. So we got to get through these questions. I'm like, uh, oh, that wasn't hot seat. That was, that oh, was that was me in, versus Matt. Yeah. That was here. Shit. Yep. Well, either way, it was, I, I, I was on a 30 second you know, timer. So, you know, Aaron pointed out, you got the first three letters right. And you well, got and that's the last three letters right. You just put a whole bunch of nonsense in the middle that wasn't necessary. <laughs> So, Jay, I was just showing off my present from Guapo. <laughs> Quincy says, hi, and why am I still Aww. recording if I've already lost? Aw, <laughs> hi, Quincy. Fun. <laughs> okay. I'm good. I got light-up shoes, man. I'm, I'm great. <laughs> Quincy has light-up shoes coming. Does she? She loved them, so I bought her a pair. Really? I would have bought her a pair if I knew she yeah. loved them. You already them. bought everybody else you like a pair. I know, inclu- I, but I like Quincy. I said everybody else. Okay, but now I feel bad because I would have gotten her a pair if I knew let she me, wanted. Let me let me spouse the lady. God. Fine. Ugh. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Tim, I have both players' wagers. Okay, so let's dive in here. Our first question is in the category of something terrible will happen to this hit. A music question. Name this song that peaked at number eight and spent twenty six weeks on the Billboard Hot one hundred chart in nineteen eighty. It's simple and it's plain. Why should I complain? But tell me, does she kiss like I used to kiss you? Does it feel the same when she calls your name? (laughs) Clue's not wrong. (laughs) I never said it would be good. In fact, you explicitly said the contrary. Yeah. I am in. Jeremy is locked in. Alan, you have 30 seconds. What was it? Something terrible will happen to this hit. I know I've heard this. Um Oh, what's that called? I can just I can just shut it out, right? So I'll say uh the I think it's the winner takes it all by ABBA. Alan locks in with The Winner Takes It All by ABBA. Jeremy, what did you lock in with? The Winner Takes It All by ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> you look so disappointed. I was like, it clicked and I I have friends. Well, we have mutual friends, Jay and I, who listen to ABBA and are very big ABBA fans. Mm-hmm. And yeah, 
I know this. And it's finally clicked. I'm like, oh, yeah, nope, that's what it is. And then, yeah, I'm like, okay. And Jeremy, what did you wager here? Um, I wagered 300 both ways. And Alan, your wager? 100 for myself, 300 the other side. Well, that was a sort of countrified version of The Winner Takes It All by ABBA. It was a Carolina uh, version. You know, yeah. it's, the, it's the tournament of Frenemies finals, so. It was one sort of, you, of something. One of I, you will be crowned the winner here. I lo- By the way, I, I say I love the the takes, like the, the bad the bad takes on the music rounds because it makes me really think and I have to like shut out however somebody did it and look at the lyrics because mm-hmm. I got to try to figure out how it actually fits into a song because if I think about what you did, not happening. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. It's, it's a fun twist and, uh, you know, different podcasts do it different ways. And I just mm-hmm. I love it. So, uh, Brittany, what happened to our scores here? Oh, that's a good question, Tim. Um, I'm supposed to be scorekeeping this time. Um uh, it looks like on that one, Jeremy pushed his points where Alan lost 200 points on this one. Okay. Our second question is in the category of not just sparkling fun facts, a geography question. Sure, Swindon, England may have the magic roundabout and Mescal Square in Ethiopia may have the busiest intersection governed by common sense. But which city's infrastructure can boast true triumph with its junction once called Star Square? The intersection is currently named for one of its former leaders and is a crossroad of the 12 busiest streets in the city. I'm going to pull a calorie crush and we're just going to we're going to lock in. Jeremy is locked in. Alan, you have 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, Star Square. <sighs> Star Square. Currently named for one of its current twelve city. I will guess Jerusalem. Alan locks in with Jerusalem. What did you wager on that one, Alan? Uh, Two hundred for myself. One hundred for Jeremy. Okay. And uh, Jeremy, what did you lock in with and what did you wager? Um, The only thing I think of is listening to another podcast recently where they brought up some kind of weird intersection in Moscow. I don't know what it's called. I don't even know if this is it. I don't know. But I was like, at least if I lock in, he has to think quick. And that's all I can think of. So I went Moscow and I wagered 100 for me and 200 for Alan. Okay. Jay, you know this one. It looks like you know this one at least. What What do you think it is? It's it's Paris. There's a triumph reference in there and a champagne clue. And yeah, it's Paris. Triumph. Well, oh, Jay is correct. Yeah, not that it fucking matters. There is a champagne reference in the clue and a triumph reference in the question. Uh, we were looking for Paris here. I'm doing great. Thanks. For of course, it's French. <laughs> yeah, its current name is Charles de Gaulle Square. <laughs> I'm just going to start reading this uh, kid's atlas that Guapo got me. <laughs> Thanks, Guapo. Uh, so, Brittany, what happened to our scores on that one? Uh, well, Tim, I was so glad I got to use that category because it's one of my favorite jokes Aaron and I have ever made together, which was it's only truly trivia if it's about three roads. Otherwise, it's just sparkling fun facts. Um, so this one had so many roads in it. Uh but one of those roads did not lead to points for one of our players. Uh, Alan lost 100 points on this one, where Jeremy picked up 100 points. So we enter question three with a score of 1,400 to 1,800 in favor of Jeremy. 
Uh, our final question in section one is in the category of if you dare wear short shorts, which is a sports question. Sweatin' to the Oldies was a series of aerobics videos featuring what fitness personality who also voiced the character of Boone in 1998's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the movie? I'm Oh, good. I, I have 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would happen. Do 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 we want to three, two, one this? We can. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, That's sure. got a great history on the network. Uh, three, two, one... Richard Simmons. And all three of our players and non-players locking in with Richard Simmons. Jeremy, what did you wager here? Um, I I wagered 200 for me, 100 for Alan. And Alan, what did you wager? Uh, 300 for me, 200 for Jeremy. Well, everybody is correct on this one. This is Richard Simmons. Um, I do remember the sweat into the oldies videos. Uh, apparently there were like five of them. Uh, I thought and, there were more. Damn. I remember yeah. his guest appearance on whose line is it anyway? Oh my Everybody God. remembers his guest appearance on whose line is it anyway? My uncle met him in an elevator once. Oh, wow. George Bernard Shaw. Really? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> my actual uncle. Are, are we going to go into like people's famous uncles, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> we, we put that one to rest. <laughs> Uh, it'll never rest it's alive it's alive there it is uh but Brittany, what happened to our scores on that one well tim both players are going to pick up 100 points on that one so we end section one with a score of alan with 1500 and jeremy with 1900 we head to the second section of the individual round with where our three categories are what happens which is a theater question how serene, which is a history question, and your conclusion needs more theremin, which is a science question. Go ahead and send Brittany those wagers. Jay, how do you feel on these categories? I feel like they're not my problem, which is the best way to feel. <laughs> and how are you feeling about the siesta key? How much is left? Six bottles, give take. Look, it's like jello if you're an alcoholic, there's always room. Doing great. Don't have to think. Well, Tim, I have both players' wagers. Okay. Our first question in section two is in the category of what happens? A theater question. What Broadway play by Lorraine Hansberry pulls its title from the poem Harlem by Langston Hughes? The story centers around a black family in South Chicago as they attempt to improve their financial situation following an insurance payout from the death of their father. Facing housing discrimination, racism, and assimilation along the way. Locked in. Jeremy's locked in. Alan, you have 30 seconds. Yeah, I don't need it. This is uh, a raisin in the sun. And what did you wager on that one? Uh, 100 for myself, 300, or, uh, 200 for Jeremy, sorry. And Jeremy, what did you lock in with, and what were your wagers? Yeah, this was absolutely a raisin in the sun, uh, the play that was based off of Harlem by Langston Hughes. I just... Almost a Pavlov at this point. Uh, it's 300 both ways. Okay. Uh, both players getting this one quite quickly. This is a raisin in the sun. So, Brittany, what happened to our wagers there? Well, um, similarly to what happens to a dream deferred, I don't know. Uh, Jeremy pushed his points and Alan lost 100. So, we enter the next question 1400 to 1900. 
Wait, are we going to acknowledge the fact that Jeremy said A Raisin in the Sun was by Langston Hughes or no? Oh, I said it's it's based on Harlem by Langston Hughes. Oh, it's based on Harlem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, forgive me. I've been drinking and multitasking and my shoes light up. <laughs> <laughs> How much of your wardrobe am I a part of? More than one would think and assume was sane. <laughs> Can we get Jay an all light up outfit? Like pants and shirt. Oh, I need the shoes. Jericho jacket so desperately. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. Best iteration, I'm telling you. Let's make this happen. I don't know what a Jericho jacket is, but I support it. And speaking of support, you, know you can help me you buy know... that jacket at patreon.com slash PTEBB. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our second question, which is in the category of how serene a history question. The largest coin minted by the U.S. Mint was a 2019 U.S. silver five-ounce silver dollar commemorating what event? The coin, measuring 76.2 millimeters in diameter, is a considerable leap in size from the 30.61 millimeter half dollar. I'll lock in. Alan is locked in. Jeremy, you have 30 seconds. This is one of those, I'm getting confused between this and I think probably one of the quarters, but the, the coin I remember having a commemorative thing was, it, I believe it was the Apollo 11 moon mission. So I'm just going to lock in with that. Um, like I said, I could be confusing that with like one of the Ohio quarters or something like that, but I, I think it's Apollo 11. So. All right. And what did you wager on that one, Jeremy? Uh, 100 for me, 200 for Alan. Okay. Alan, what did you lock in with it? What did you wager? This is most certainly the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11. You know, the whole considerable leap and, you know, 1969. So, yeah, I said uh, 300 on both sides. Okay. Uh, So, yes, it is a considerable or giant leap from 76 uh, from 30.61 to 76.2 millimeters. It also features like a picture of the footprint uh on the moon it's it's a really cool looking coin it's huge uh but it is the lunar landing uh so both players getting this one correct i would have felt way better about that if i had remembered that it was like if i'd done the math on the years like oh yeah that would have been 50 years we're good but i was like i remember there being a coin about the moon landing that does make sense <laughs> as to why it was minted in 2019 i was like i don't know <laughs> Uh, we went to the moon in 1969. Anyway, Brittany, what happened to our scores there? The night. You're welcome. Uh, well, uh, that uh, time Alan pushed his points and Jeremy lost 100. So we go into question three with a score of 1400 to 1800 in favor of Jeremy. Our final question in section two is in the category of your conclusion needs more theremin, a science question. The Silurian hypothesis is a thought experiment proposed in 2018 as a way to assess modern science's ability to detect the presence of a prior advanced civilization. The hypothesis written by Adam Frank and Gavin Schmidt derived its name from what long running science fiction show? Oh, locked in. Jeremy is locked in. Alan, you have 30 seconds. Yeah, there's a couple shows that it could be. Is a thought experiment as a way to assess modern time present prior advanced. Wait, what was the category name? Go back. 
hit a few. Wait, what was? Oh, we. What was the category name? Your conclusion needs more theremin. Okay. Yeah, this is um, Doctor Who. Okay, Alan locks in with Doctor Who. What were your wager? What was your wager there? Uh, two hundred for myself, one hundred for Jeremy. And Jeremy, what was your uh, answer? And what did you wager? I'm kind of mad at myself that it took me as long as it did to get this because uh, uh, one of the other things that I'm a big fan of is Doctor Who. And uh, Madame Vastra is a Silurian, and it finally clicked. And uh, so she's one of the characters there. So, yeah, it's definitely Doctor Who uh, locked in. <laughs> uh, and what and did I, you wager? I wagered uh, the same 200 for me, 100 for Alan. Okay. Uh, this was Doctor Who. Uh, I believe this is a reference uh to didn't they discover like a lizard civilization the under yeah the Silurian uh were Homo reptilia and they lived yeah. underneath they had built a civilization and hibernated and humans evolved in the meantime. Jay, did you know this one? Oh, famous lesbian uh, Madame Vastra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. When you said the Silurian hypothesis, I my first thought was, what is Doctor Who do? Wait, was this a television question? Oh, it's science. Okay. Wait it out. <laughs> Speaking of things with famous anniversaries this year. And uh, yeah. Brittany, what happened to our scores? Well, Tim, both teams picked up 100 points on that one. So we're going to leave Section 2 and Intersection 3 with a score of 1,500 to 1,900 in favor of Jeremy. Both players got everything right there. So everything turned uh, came out in the wash. Our three categories for Section 3 are Set on Mars, which is a video games question, Names Almost the Same, which is a television question, and How Norman Got His Groove Back, which is a music question. Go ahead and send Brittany your wagers. Jay, how are you feeling about these uh, categories? Um, I'm pretty sure I know the upcoming answer to at least one of them, just based on vibes. Hmm. Prove me wrong, Shaw. You know, George Bernard. I would just, uh, I would just like to point out that we recently attended a murder mystery dinner together, where we both kind of based our answers on vibes, and both were not correct. Valid. And I think we were the only two in the room that got it wrong, <laughs> which was my favorite thing. Because we're the trivia writers. And we were like, no, that solution is too simple. It's got to be more complicated. That's the last time I did a murder mystery dinner with Jay. I was the murderer. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Jay and I each you? thought we were the murderer. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, sure, it could be that. But, you know, it's probably not. I think I'm not anything like that, but, you know. Um... You're right on me. Hey, Tim, I've got both players' scores. Awesome. Uh, well, let's dive into the final quarter of this game. Our first question is in the category of Set on Mars, a video games question. Shell-shocked, The Lost Formulas, and Minnie's Madness are among the video games developed to promote what food brand between 2000 and 2002? I can't roll my eyes back any farther in my head. Locked in. Jeremy's locked in. Alan, you have 30 seconds. Shell shot. 
Oh, okay. Uh, M&M's. Alan locks in with M&M's, and what did you wager here? Uh, 100 for myself and 300 on Jeremy. Jeremy, what did you lock in with, and what were your wagers? Oh, yeah, this is definitely M&M's. I was remembering shell-shocked, and I like, immediately went to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I was like, no, that's not right. And then I remembered the PlayStation game, Shell-Shocked, which was an M&M-based game. Uh, so, yeah, M&M's is what I went with, and uh, I wagered 300 on me and 200 on Alan. And, Jay, you were rolling your eyes really hard here. Mars. Ugh. wasted a perfectly good slot that a doom question could have lived in for brand recognized look cool spot was fine uh the sneak king was fine brands don't need to make video games beyond that chester cheeto was a great video game. oh yeah yeah jay if it makes you feel any better literally i wrote down one doom in my notes here (laughs) uh you can ask uh tim and Brittany because that pre-call i had was doom Yep. Uh, and I said wrong. Uh, this was M&M's uh, Minis Madness. M&M Minis. Um, I, I think I only discovered that this was a thing. I was watching like a Facebook reel or something about somebody like cleaning out old PlayStation systems and uh, Shell Shocked was in there. I was like, what is this? Uh I rented it from Blockbuster back in the day because I was very curious. It's terrible. Is isn't that one basically M&M's Mario Kart? Yeah. Yeah, mm. I thought so. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> speaking of terrible, uh I, I don't know. I leave the segues to Brittany. Uh what what happened to our scores here? Uh well, Tim, uh Alan lost 200 points on that one. Jeremy picked up 100 points. So we go into the next question with a score of 1300 to 2000. And the next question is in the category of names almost the same. A television question. What surname is phonetically shared by a character who appeared in five episodes of Happy Days before getting their own titular spinoff and a character who started as a grade school teacher, then became principal of John Adams High before graduating to professor at Pembroke University? I'm locked in. Alan is locked in. Jeremy, you have 30 seconds. Of course I do. Um, John Adams High. Like, this is where I'm getting caught up. John Adams High is what show? That's Boy Meets World, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I'm going to go Feeny. I don't know. It's I'm not sure I'm going to say Feeny because uh, that's the only principle I know at John Adams High. Jeremy locks in with Feeny. What did you wager here? I wagered uh, 200 for me, 100 for Alan. And Alan, what did you lock in with? And what were your wagers? I definitely locked in with Feeny. It's definitely Mr. Feeny. Um, because I think the Happy Days one is Shirley Feeny. Uh, Oliver and Shirley. Yes. Um, and I said 300 for myself, 200 for Jeremy. Well, the Happy Days one is Shirley Feeney, and the John Adams High is the beloved George Feeney. Uh, they are spelled slightly different. There's an extra E in Shirley, in Shirley's uh, last name. It's F-E-E-N-E-Y, whereas George is F-E-E-N-Y. But it's pronounced the same, and this is Feeney that we were looking for. 
Yep. Can we just spend five to seven minutes talking about the beautiful experience that was Danielle Fischel in the 90s? Oh, mm. yes. Danielle Fischel now? Not a wrong vibe, but, you know, when I was a formative youth, uh, big Danielle Fischel energy. Kapinga uh, or Winnie that- Cooper? Ooh. Are you asking who Daniel Fischel played? Because no, I'm asking, Brittany, and I assume, I'm asking your, ref, your preference. I know who both are. Uh, it's got to be Daniel Fischel because I didn't watch Wonder Years enough. Although Girl Next Door vibe uh, from Danica McKellar. And yeah. also, yes. Math Stud. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so I will, say, I will say Daniel Fischel then, Danica McKellar now. Now for me in the 90s, it was um, Topanga. Alex Mack and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, we can talk about Larissa Olenek. I'm super okay yeah. with that. Mm. Fun fact. It was I also on Boy Meets World. I'm currently listening to Pod Meets World, and they are oh, at yeah. that arc with uh, <laughs> Larissa Olenek. Yeah. Yeah. Who did she play on the show? She, she played. She played the rich girlfriend who of Sean, who was like. He, like I can't date Sean. He's a bad boy type, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I think like her friend's kid. Or no, no, that was. She also came back. I think to kidnap Sean because Sean wasn't good enough for Angela mm-hmm. later. But I she was part Sean of that too. So hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> enough about that. Let's no, move. we can continue. I, I have three to five minutes left by my reckoning, bucko. That's a whole nother podcast. Coming up in the future on Boozy Bracketology, the best uh, TV heartthrob in the 90s. Ooh. Oh, you should. You got to get Leah Ligorian on that one. For real. <laughs> Brittany, what happened to our scores with both players getting oh, sure. this one right? Uh, well, both players got that one right. They each picked up 100 points, so we enter question three with a score of 1,400 for Allen to Jeremy's 2,100. And we go into our final question of section three and the category of how Norman got his groove back, a music question. The song Right Here, Right Now by British musician Fatboy Slim is notable for sampling and remixing a quote from the 1995 science fiction thriller Strange Days. What actress, who was nominated for Best Actress in 1994 and Best Supporting Actress in 2023, uttered the titular words? Oh, I'll I'll lock in. Alan is locked in. Jeremy, you have 30 seconds. I had to think about this one a second because I know the video. And I believe, without having enough time to really think it out and put it together, I believe it was Angela Bassett. So I'm going to lock in with Angela Bassett. Jeremy locked in with Angela Bassett. What did you wager here? Oh, going to make me scroll. Uh, 100 for me, 300 for Alan. So this is probably going to hurt. And Alan, what did you lock in with? And what did you wager? Yeah, this is definitely uh, Angela Bassett. Uh, 200 for myself, 100 for Jeremy. Okay. Uh, well, there is a scene in Strange Days in which Angela Bassett is yelling at the, the, the man who's the star of the movie saying, this is real right here, right now. And really, Fatboy Slim just remixed it repeatedly through a song. And uh, this is Angela Bassett. So, Brittany... We head into our final section. What are the scores? Well, uh, Tim, both players got all three right in this round. So we enter our final section with a score 
of 1500 for Alan and 1900 for Jeremy. So why don't you tell us what the final set of wagers for this season, or final set of categories are for this season. The final set of categories for this season are should have taken the Nissan, which is a literature question, something rotten this way comes, which is a movies question, and do not look these up on Urban Dictionary, which is a science question. Go ahead and send Brittany the final wagers before we crown our best frenemy of the season. I love you both. Just just that last one. Like, I don't even know what it is, but do not look this up on Urban Dictionary. That's just the that's just the key, like the key phrase of my stream on Thursdays. <laughs> I'm just going to sit in here uh, feeling neglected because nobody pointed out that I also pushed my points uh, for the last two rounds. Oh, yeah, you did. You you absolutely did. So in a very real sense, I'm doing just as well as Alan and Jeremy. Yeah, you go into the final section with zero points. <laughs> How do you feel about this final section, Jay? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any particular strength you think it, you'd be able to get? Uh, Ship hosting while they answer. Okay, okay. Doing uh, great at that, friend. Well, Tim... For the final time this season, I have both player sets of wagers. Okay, our final three questions. The first one is in the category of should have taken the Nissan, a literature question. In the Penelope ad, Margaret Atwood weaves a tale from the perspective of a woman in the underworld who offers a version of which Homerian epic, this time through her eyes. Per the summary, her version is a tale of lust, greed, and murder. Um, actually, Margaret Atwood is not a, uh, fantasy author. We established that. No, she's not a better one than Andy Weir. (laughs) Hi, Jeff. (laughs) I've been locked in. Jeremy is locked in. Alan, you have 30 seconds. Which Homerian epic? Okay, so... This would be the Odyssey. Alan locks in with the Odyssey. And what did you wager here? Uh, 300 for myself, 200 for Jeremy. Okay. And Jeremy, what did you lock in with? And what were your wagers? Well, I, I don't know because I have not read this book, uh, but I, I did home in on the uh, Homerian epic part of it. <laughs> home in. I didn't even realize I said that until I said it. Um, but that left me too. It's either the Iliad or the Odyssey, and I just guessed the Odyssey because a lot of different stories like to t- do a take on the Odyssey more than the Iliad. So I just said the Odyssey. And Penelope is Odysseus's wife. That that yes, she is. Um, I, I didn't even think that far in. I was just like, it's one of two. Let's just go with one and make you sweat. Yeah. <laughs> it was my strategy on that one. Um, sure. so uh, one hundred for me, three hundred for Alan. Okay. Uh, so this was. The Odyssey. Um, Brittany realized as we were reading this question that Nissan doesn't make the Odyssey. Honda does. Shay, oh. they sure do. Uh, in fact, I drive one and Brittany has been in it about a thousand times. I also learned how to drive in both a Honda Odyssey and a Nissan Quest. Uh, but <laughs> neither. that was what should have taken the Nissan came from is, you know, because the Honda would be the Odyssey. <laughs> I'd like to drive a Honda Iliad, please. <laughs> I don't think you want to, actually. <laughs> no. uh, yeah. 
You just drive around forever, never get to where you're going. <laughs> so, Brittany, what happened to our scores? Oh, sure, Tim. Uh, well, Alan picked up 100 points on that one, but Jeremy lost 200 points on that one. So we enter question two with a score of 1,600 for Alan to 1,700 for Jeremy. This game got really close with two questions to go. Yeah, it did. And our question in the category of something rotten this way comes, a movie question. What 1978 parody film opens with a bit of shade showing a text scroll describing how when Alfred Hitchcock made the birds depicting an attack by winged creatures on human beings, people laughed. But when 7 million blackbirds descended on Hopkinsville, Kentucky, nobody was laughing. Locked in. Jeremy is locked in. Alan, you have 30 seconds. Yeah, I was just about to lock in myself. I will say that this is Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. All right, Alan, what did you wager here? Uh, 200 for myself, 100 for Jeremy. And Jeremy, what did you lock in with it? What was your wager? Oh, yeah. No, I, I was going to do the song and he beat me to it. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's why I threw in the second part because it goes, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It just keeps going higher. Um, I uh, am locking with Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and it was 200 both ways. Okay. So this was attack of the killer tomatoes and Brittany, i think that makes things really interesting it does for a couple reasons one being that i didn't quite realize this when i put these in this order but we definitely just attacked jeff woodhead and chris lacory and simultaneously questions oh man love you both yes love Cheers. you both i'm gonna keep uh, drinking yeah but what happened there tim was that alan picked up 100 points and Jeremy pushed his points, and Jay also pushed her points. Doing great. So we go into this final question of the season with a score of Jay with zero, Jeremy with 1,700, and Alan with 1,700. It's just an honor to be nominated. <laughs> it is a tie game heading into the final question. I didn't see that coming. Not I'm going to say this before we start. Alan, this is the best thing i could have ever hoped for i mean this is a great great game yeah it, it really is if one of you gets this correct and the other misses you will be our champion if both of you get this correct jeremy wins <laughs> yep that and spoiler if both, alert <laughs> if both of you get this incorrect alan wins Oh, what a prisoner's dilemma. <laughs> Holy shit. There's some so, weird incentivization going on right here. Our final question is in the category of do not look these up on Urban Dictionary. A science question. Wet mount, dry mount, smear, squash, and staining are five of the most common techniques for preparing items for use with what innovation created by Hans and Zacharias Janssen, but also often attributed to Antony van Leeuwenhoek. And there is no pressure here. Can I make both of them go in 30 seconds by saying lock in? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not how this works, Jay. But I know I it. For what innovation? I super know it. Okay. I'm going to lock in. 
Alan has locked in for the final time. Jeremy, you can talk this out for 30 seconds. I, f- I just feel like Jansen, the Jansen brothers uh, were responsible for the microscope. And that's it was either microscope or telescope. But I think telescope dates back way further. So I'm going to go microscope. And that's my final answer. And what did you wager here? Uh, that would be 300 for me and 100 for Alan. Alan, what did you lock in with and what were your wagers? Uh, yeah, uh, Van Leeuwenhoek is definitely associated with the microscope. And those are definitely microscopy slides and things like that. So this is definitely the microscope. I said 100 and 300. And congratulations, Jeremy. Okay, so if both of you are right, Jeremy wins. And if both of you are wrong, Alan wins. The wet mount, the dry mount, the smear, the squash, and staining are five of the most common techniques for preparing slides to view under a microscope. So, Brittany, how does our game finish? Well, Tim, you kind of spoiled the ending by, you know, explaining how the math works, but... Um, I'll talk now. So, uh, on that question, Alan lost 200 points. Jeremy picked up 200 points. And I would like to point out that neither player has missed a question since question two of this half. Uh, so in a score that is somewhat indicative of how close this game has been, (laughs) our final score is Alan with 1500 and our victor is Jeremy with 1900. Jeremy Goodson, you are the best frenemy of the season, the inaugural season of Frenemy Trivia. How are you feeling after that? That was an awesome game, Alan. That could have gone either way, anytime. It depended on the questions. And seriously, I, I put some more uh, whiskey in here. Cheers, sir. Uh, well, I'll raise a glass to that. Yeah, anybody. Yeah, raise a glass. Yeah. Or a bottle, bottle can, what have you. Hey, you drink out of a glass? <laughs> no, I'm drinking out of the can like a fucking lady. No, uh, Alan, seriously, <laughs> fantastic game. Like that. You as well. That you as well. Well well deserved, well earned victory. And Alan, you came up just short, but still a very strong performance. I think going back through the whole game. At least in the team and individual rounds, as a team, you guys only missed two questions. And as individuals, you both missed the same question. And that's all that made the difference in this. So how are you feeling? Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. That's just how trivia works sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, no, this this was definitely fun. And Jay, how are you feeling watching this play out? I had no skin in this game. I'm doing great. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? I do have a, a grudge to hold. Um uh because Alan, you know, as I've mentioned, has now beaten me on three consecutive podcast appearances. Uh Jeremy has beaten me on I think now the second podcast appearance. Uh uh Tim tank top uh and Brittany um I just learned today was the descendant of George Bernard Shaw and you kept that from me. So you know what? Screw this. I'm going to go start my own podcast with Blackjack and Hookers. And we'll find out about that here in just a second. But let's start our plugs with our best frenemy of the season. Jeremy, what do you have to plug? Um, Wow, this is like, I have to like prepare something here. Um, 
I would say uh, check out Geek Trivia Thursday nights on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Jeremy. Brian Nash uh, and I put on his game of Geek Trivia. Uh, he writes the first four rounds. It's one of his shows he does live. And then uh, I write round five based on a die roll at the end of the game. Anybody who's in can win. So we don't have a set winner. Even if you can get first place, you know, it's more for clout. The real winner is who wins the dice roll, and you get to choose round five for the next week. Um, also, obviously, if you're listening to this, check out the PTE Network. If you haven't, uh, I am one of the hosts of uh, Pub Trivia Experience, and we had a lot of fun there. And I would actually like to get Jay and Alan on a hot seat if they are interested at some point in the future, because that would be fun. Why not? Make it four. <laughs> Alan, before you go, you got anything you would like to plug? Uh, same thing I always do. Adopt, don't shop. Rescue pets are awesome. Very well said. Jay, you don't have anything, do you? I, I got nothing but stuff, uh, but stuff, uh, to plug. Um, <laughs> to plug. In addition to the newest podcast on the PTE network, Verboten, uh, coming this week or having come this week, uh, find out all my personal stuff, uh, my deepest, darkest details and possibly feet pics at, uh, linktree.com slash liquid courage. It's got, it's got everything. There's a lot. I can't even keep track of it. I'm, I'm actively working on three or four of those projects while y'all, uh, decide that Jeremy is the baldest and the best. Lauren, you didn't quite get the chance to, uh, repeat as a pte champion on this tournament but how are you feeling about the game oh no it was good it was i had a i had an absolutely lovely time and uh i felt like it was probably appropriate to let somebody else win something so that's what happened (laughs) no i'm kidding i'm kidding it was it was (laughs) it was uh you know how sometimes like everybody who plays trivia you know this sometimes you get a batch of questions in your wheelhouse and then sometimes you don't and that's just kind of how it rolled. And I'm, I'm more than happy about it. I had a lovely time. Thank you for putting on such a fun game. Well, we are glad to have had you. And if you want to come back at any point in season two, you are more than welcome. But before you go, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Oh, gosh. Um, yes, of course. I am uh, the host of the Beard Owl podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about two of the greatest things in the world, beer and Weird Owl. And we're on a bi-weekly format now. I've got some fun guests coming on to talk about Weird Al-related stuff. And uh, we're, you know, we're having a good time with all of that. And also, my husband, Russ, and I have the Infectious Groove Music YouTube channel. We are coming at you four times a week with YouTube videos. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's uh, fun um, music-related content where we're just kind of going through lists of five things. Every Saturday, uh, we have dipped our toes into the reaction video game, and we're having a pretty good time with that. And then Sundays, it's a vinyl review-related video where, um, actually, since my birthday was relatively recently, as of us recording it, we not too long ago uh, did a video about my birthday present, which was the um, mobile fidelity pressing of the Electric Light Orchestra's 1974 album, El Dorado, which was fantastic and probably the best birthday present that I ever could have hoped for. And the fact that my husband had to hunt it down pretty, uh, pretty hard to get it for me was uh, great, you know? So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what we've got there. And, uh, if you, you know, check out that ELO album, honestly, like even just stream it ELO Eldorado, it's uh delightful, majestic and depressing. So 
and I second the uh, the plug for the Beard Owl podcast. I've been on a number of episodes of that myself. Brittany, that brings our season to a close. How do you feel about this season? I feel like it's been a lot of fun. And um, I kind of, am, I mean, I was going to be happy with whoever won today. But I'm kind of loving the bookend of Jeremy being both the first winner of a Frenemy episode and the first season's ultimate Frenemy. Um, you know, because I, I think Jeremy and I have had a frenemy ship for a while at this point. Um, and I mean, it really just came all down to tank tops and puns. I mean, really, just, you know, it's, it's it's been a heck of a ride, Tim. How are you feeling about this first season? I'm feeling great. Uh, I don't know if we're planning on doing a behind frenemy lines recap for next week. We'll figure that one out. Yeah. If there is, uh, if there isn't, we are going to be taking a short hiatus and coming back in the new year, mm-hmm. uh, allow us to get our question database built back up and navigate the, uh, the, the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that will do it here for us at Frenemy Trivia. Make sure to follow us at Frenemy Trivia on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, Threads, per, pretty much everywhere you can uh find social media we're there uh you can also find our sister shows the pub trivia experience boozy bracketology and our new verboten podcast on your favorite podcast app join our discord ptebb.com slash discord or support us on patreon at patreon.com slash ptebb if you can't swing it we completely understand times are tough and the holidays are coming but you can still support us by subscribing and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast app for Frenemy Trivia. I've been Tim. I've been Brittany. I'm Lauren. I've been Bitter. I mean, Jay. I've been Jeremy. I'm still Alan. And we will see you next season for more Frenemy Trivia. Frenemy Trivia.